together. I have a new contraption here. Let's see how many things I can fit on my tie, I guess. Uh, but uh, the live stream, some people on the live stream um, have been saying they can't hear very well. So we got, we got a new mic uh, system for the live stream here, and uh, we're going to try it out for the first time uh, today. And if you are uh, on the live stream this morning, we do have, we do have a good number of people, uh, even from our church right now, that, uh, that aren't able to be here, aren't comfortable being here yet uh, at this point, um, that take, they take advantage of, uh, of the live stream. And so we welcome them to do that. And, uh, and really, it's, it, uh, we, we get feedback from, from many different places, uh, just that they, they enjoy the ministry of God's Word uh, here from our church. And so we're happy to be of service and a blessing if we can be in that. 
but it isn't much good if they can't hear it, I guess. And, uh, and so we're giving, uh, giving a shot of helping that out a little bit uh, uh, this week uh, with some new technology here. So, all right. Um, I'm going to talk this morning about relationship versus religion. Relationship versus religion. Or maybe another way of putting it is relevance versus ritual. Relevance versus ritual. Let's ask, ask the Lord to, uh, to help us with this very important message this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be with me right now. Lord, help me to speak clearly. Help me to speak accurately. Help me to speak uh, truthfully from your word. That it would be a help to every single person here uh, as you work through it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in a country that was very religious. Very religious. And uh, the statistics were that over 90% of the people there practiced or were involved in, in, to some extent, in a certain religion. In a certain religion. And the practice of the religion was, was everywhere. Um, it was a very, it was, in that part of the world, it was very idolatrous. There were, there were, very, there were a lot of idols. There were very, a lot of idols to different uh, um, um, uh, saints or kind of representations of deities. And you go along, there would be little shrines alongside the road. And if you would get out and look at some of these shrines in very poor areas, very poor areas, you could see that people had taken valuables and placed it at the shrine there. They'd taken uh, money uh, that sometimes would probably be the money that would be to feed their families and, and had put it there uh, for the shrine, for this idol. They'd taken food and put it there. They'd lit candles and put it there. It was just religion. It was religion that, that, that was made out of uh, stone or made out of wood. could do nothing for them. And, and, and it was just, it was just a, an exercise or a ritual to try to bring some sort of uh, uh, perceived uh, blessing uh, from that. I saw uh, people that, um, that walked up many steps into a religious building, not on their feet, but on their knees. And they'd already come a certain, a certain uh, amount of, 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 of travel on their knees, and they would walk up the steps on their knees. Some of them were actually leaving blood on the, the steps as they went on their knees to try to gain some sort of religious favor. It was, it was religion. It was just religion. It was, it was a practice to try to gain some sort of favor because of the perceived need there, uh, because of, of, of the knowledge in their heart that there was a God and the perceived need to be reconciled with God. They thought that if they practiced these things, that they would bring some sort of, of reconciliation uh, uh, to that. And uh, I saw a people that, um, that had, you know, different, almost like good luck charms that they would pray along with. And they would rub those charms and they would, they would, they would say certain things over and over again to try to uh, elicit some sort of uh, a religious blessing uh, from these charms, from these trinkets, from things that they had bought even from the religious entity. That, that the religious entity told them, if you do this and you say this, this will bring you this will bring you salvation. This will bring you uh, something good in your life. And, uh, and, and, and if, you, if you buy from us, you give us your money, this will give you a blessing. And if you say these words, you tell us what to say. And if you espouse our doctrine, you know, you'll be okay. And if you jump through these hoops, you're, you're going to go to heaven. And, and so I grew up in a country that was very religious, very religious. And uh, the tragedy is they kind of find out very few people understood about having a relationship with their creator. Having a personal relationship. Just the freedom and the liberty that comes from getting beyond religious uh, uh, ritual to the relevance of a personal relationship with God. So I want to talk to you about the difference uh, the, the, this morning. 
And, uh, you know, I understand in a crowd this way, we all have a, a different story. We all have, you know, maybe a different point right now as to what we're walking in as, as far as what we think about God and, and what we think about religion. Is Christianity a religion? Well, yes, it is, it is a religion in some senses. Uh, we are committed to, to what we believe. We do seek to live out what we believe. We, we, we seek to obey God because of what he's done uh, for us. Uh, pure religion and undefiled, the Bible talks about uh, in the book of James. And, and there are, it talks about things that can be done in the name of Jesus uh, to practice the religion of Christianity. But to say that, 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 uh, uh, that Christianity is primarily a religion would be wrong. Because Christianity is the one belief system that is about a personal relationship with God. It's about a personal relationship with God. And it starts with the very doctrine of salvation. So we're going to just talk about some aspects here of Christianity. And I just want to be very informative. I want to be very biblical this morning. I want to just help all of us, whether to solidify what we already believe, uh, to keep on track with what we believe, or maybe to help those that are just wandering a little bit. You're searching a little bit. You're thinking, you know, what is, what is uh, Christianity all about? And, uh, you know, what are things like being born again you know, mean? What, how, what, how does that, what does that mean? And, and so we're going to start just about salvation because all the world's religions have something they believe about salvation or about accomplishing or about arriving at some end goal. And, uh, and so salvation in the Bible is a gift, not a goal. It's a gift, not a goal. For all other religions, it's a goal. For us, it's a gift to be received. And uh, let's look at Titus 3.5. Now, I'll go to a number of scriptures here. If you can't get to them fast enough, I'll read them clearly. You can listen to them. But Titus 3.5, Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5 says, not by works, not by works. And uh, religions are based upon works. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And I, lived in a, I grew up in a country where there was a lot of works of righteousness to, to, to uh, try, try to be done. And all these works of righteousness were, were, were with the end goal of going, uh, of going to heaven. With the end goal, if I do enough righteousness, if I put enough righteousness on one side compared to my sin, the, the scale will tip in my, in my favor and I will go to heaven. But the Bible says here, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. mercy. And mercy is looks at, at somebody who's in big trouble and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mercifully help that person. Even though... They can't help themselves, and they, if they can't help themselves, they certainly can't help me. I'm going to extend mercy to them. Maybe I'm even the one that they wronged, but I see them in trouble. Even though they've wronged me, I'm going to, I'm going to extend mercy in return. And that's why the Bible says even while we were yet sinners, we were wronging God, he extended mercy uh, to us. So God is not looking for us to, you know, we, we, we cannot do enough to be that impressive to a holy God. What we have to do is we have to look to him for mercy, and he very wonderfully and lovingly extends that mercy. And so the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he, what? Saved us. Salvation comes from the mercy of God, not by our works. And, uh, you know, if I, if I were to uh, drive a brand new car into your yard and give you the keys to it, I'm not going to, but if I were going to do that, uh, I would drive in and say, Here, here's the keys to that vehicle right there. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that vehicle. You'd be like, oh, really? No way. Yeah, I, I want to give you that vehicle. Just with the stipulation that you're going to make, you know, $500 a month payments to me, but I'm, I'm giving it to you. Here it is. Okay? Would I be giving you that vehicle? No, I wouldn't be giving you that vehicle. All right? If I said to you, I'm giving you that vehicle as long as you're nice to my family and anytime I need a favor, you do it for me. 
Would I, be, would, I, would I be giving you that vehicle? No. Okay? So when the Bible talks about a gift, if I give you a gift, even if it's, you know, not a car, but like a pen, you know, if I give you a pen, we have some pretty swanky pens in our church here, and you can take one if you want. Yeah, I'm giving you a pen right now. Take it right out of the pew, we'll replace it there, right? I'm not going to chase that. If we're, if we're giving you a pen, it's the people at church that bought them. So they would be giving you a pen. Am I going to chase you around to, to, to get a favor from you because I gave you a pen? That'd be pretty lame. Am I going to try to get a buck from you because I gave you a pen? No. It's a gift. So all you have to do is what? Receive it. Is receive that gift. And that's biblical salvation. Now here's the quick test. Here's the quick test to see if it's religion or relationship when it comes to salvation. The quick test is see if there's something that you have to accomplish, a list of things that you have to uh, uh, um, fulfill, if there's something that you have to do, some hoops you have to jump through, a checklist that you have to uh, uh, take care of in order for you to be saved. If it is, that's religion. That's of your works. If it's accepting the mercy of God, then that's biblical salvation. That's biblical salvation. And I've studied world religions. I've taught world religions in school. And so I've seen religions, and this isn't to crack on religions, it's just to, to talk about them in the light of, of biblical salvation. For example, Buddhism. Buddhism is, is man's uh, quest to find enlightenment. And so you have to be on this quest for enlightenment. And there's certain things that you do that to, 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 make it, uh, to make it so you're more apt to find enlightenment. And so really, it's, the quick test tells you it's works. It's by man's accomplishment. If you're going to find enlightenment, it has to be of your pursuit. It has to be of your efforts. Islam. Islam believes in one God, but it's not the same God as the Bible. It's a very impersonal God. And Islam is all about an impersonal God telling you what to do, and you better accomplish those things, men, if you want to arrive to a place where you will have... Uh, um, the, uh, uh, the heaven that Islam promises, which is no nothing like the heaven of giving glory uh, to God like the, the Bible does. And uh, if you want to study a little bit about Islam, you can pretty quickly find what their definition of, of heaven is. And even, it's, it's a very, even that is a very man-centered, uh, carnal uh, uh, description. And so you, Islam is not salvation of the Bible. It doesn't pass the quick test. It's about what you have to do in order uh, to go to heaven. Secular humanism. You say, is that a religion? It certainly is. Because man is made to be dedicated towards something. And the default setting for mankind is to be dedicated to themselves. So atheistic evolutionary uh, humanism says, you know, it's all about man for the time that we're here. We're getting more and more sophisticated all the time. We have to do these things together. We have to work on these things together. We have to make man-made utopia on earth through man's efforts. It's all about man's efforts in order to achieve and in order to arrive. That's what secular humanism is. Does it pass the quick test? No. Because again, it's about what man does. The glory ultimately is going to go to man for achieving enlightenment for keeping the, the rules of the, of the Quran, um, for, uh, for, for, for achieving you know, and working together to build something here to make this a wonderful world. If it's not God-centered as the creator, and we're not accepting from his provision, um, then it's not biblical Christianity salvation. That's the distinction. So the Bible, biblical salvation is the only one, here's the quick test, is the only one that says it's taken care of, here it is if you want it. 
Every other religion says you have to do this if you want it. Do all roads lead to the same place? The Bible says there's one road. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't just say that Jesus was a good man if you don't believe what he said. Because if you don't believe what he said, you're calling him a liar. You say, well, that's a, you know, for anybody to say that, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy statement. Okay, so you have to choose. You believe that Jesus was uh, a lunatic, a leader, or was he Lord? Was he Lord? And uh, he professed to be Lord. He professed to be the way. So that's biblical salvation. So you wonder what makes you know, Christianity distinctive? The, the means to salvation makes it distinctive. And, uh, and there's much, much about that in the Bible. Let's go to, uh, uh, that's salvation. Let's talk about the service, the service of a, a, a Bible-based church. And you're at, a, you're at a Christian service right now. You're at a, a Bible-based Christian service. We call this the service. We're going to talk about Christian service, but we're talking about this is the service, all right? So you have a distinction there. And the service is biblically to be a continuation, not a disruption. It's to be a continuation of our life as Christians. In other words... I arrive at this servant today walking as a Christian. And this is part of my Christian life. This isn't me checking in on Christianity. I lived my life all week how I want to live it. Now I'm going to be checking in on the religious part of my life. Church is like the religious part of my life. I mean, I have, you know, Mark Philbrick life, and then I have religious part of my life. And I just kind of check in and out of that. It's almost like a disruption to my life. But I do it because I do believe in God and I want the religious kudos for it, right? And so I'm going to go and I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a part of that, that, that time segment there and do my duty so that things go better for me. And so that I'm a good religious person. You see the difference? You see, for a Christian, for a Bible-believing Christian, a Bible-obeying Christian, we see the service here not as uh, a disruption to our lives, but as a continuation I'm walking with the Lord, and part of walking with the Lord is I want to get together with other Christians once a week. We team up together. We learn together uh, to serve Him uh, together. And, uh, and so that's, that's why we're here. Now, parts of the elements. Let's talk about the elements of a, of a Christian service. Well, obviously, a big part of it is the preaching. And you'll notice here that we have about, uh, you know, probably about 20, 25 minutes of, of, of other things that are important, and then probably, uh, um, you know, 35 to 40 minutes of preaching. Because the Bible talks about preaching. Now, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. By the way, preaching is to be a help, not a hindrance. It's to be a help, not a hindrance. You know, the purpose of live stream is that we can reach more people to, to help them. To help them. We want to be clear, to, to reach as many, many people as possible. And uh, to, to help as many people as possible. The effort goes into studying God's Word, making it relevant, making it practical, making it helpful. And so what do we want to do? We want to put that to as many people as possible, ideally to the people that are meeting together, because it's always better in person. It's always better in, in, in person. Right? And, uh, and so uh, preaching is to be a help, not a hindrance. It's not to, to be a condemnation. It's, to, to, it's, to, it's, to, it's from God to give us truth that's going to be helpful to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if we look at verse 9, it says, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, Ecclesiastes 12, 9, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. And so he took the, the, the words of, of God and he set them in order in a way that was going to help the people. 
And then in verse 10, it says, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words. Things that were true, that were accurate, that were acceptable to the Lord, and that which was written was upright, even the words of truth. And then down in verse 14, it says, For God shall bring uh, every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so here's the thing, is I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at me, and I'm saying, you know, God sees our lives, and, uh, and God will hold us to account to, to, to the privileges and the opportunities he's given us. And so we want to be as, as, as equipped as possible. We want to get as much truth as we can. We only get one shot at this life. And so we want to look at the handbook of our life together, and let's see what the handbook says. Let's see what the instructions are. Let's see how it works. Let's see how God put it together, because he designed it. He made it. And that's what preaching helps us uh, to do. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18 talks about preaching. And preaching, you know, it's not, because, I mean, we get stereotypes of preaching, right? Like, uh, preaching is just somebody just ranting and raving, spitting, hollering, hoofing, pounding stuff, and, you know, it's just kind of a sensational show. Well, look, we should get a little passionate about what, what we believe, and we believe it's true. If we're excited about the truth, we should get a little, you know, enthusiastic about that. But it's not for show, it's to help, it's, it's to deliver an important message. And so some people, you know, they look at, they look at, uh, uh, um, at preaching as being foolishness. And the Bible talks about that. But 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. And so if someone's still on the road to their own destruction, they're going to look at preaching and say, I don't need that. I'm proud. I'm arrogant. I'm self-sufficient. I can do life myself. I don't need preaching. They're perishing. They're going their own way, like everybody tends to do, and everybody ultimately is self-destructive without God. That's just the way it is. Can't get around that law, because God made us. But for those that understand that God is life, and God is salvation, and God is what we need, well, the preaching to that person is power, right? Give me some more of that life-giving power. Give me some more of that that's going to sustain me and see me through life with the power the Word of God, quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. And, and so uh, that's what we want through preaching. And then I'll read you a couple more verses. It says in Titus 1.3, By hath in due time manifested his word through preaching. God gives his word through preaching during the church age, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. God commanded preaching. 2 Corinthians 4.5 says, for we preach not ourselves. And so the, the preachers should not be about uh, promoting themselves. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord in ourselves, uh, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So really, you know, sometimes they call preachers ministers. Right? Have you heard that before? Preachers call a minister, right? And really that's an accurate term because the preacher is supposed to be serving you. This is an act of service. I have prepared to give you truth. It'll, it'll, I want to serve you with that. I want to I do my best to serve you. Uh, with that. And that's what the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So that is, that is preaching. And uh, we do have preaching in our church. And we don't apologize for it because that's what the Bible teaches us to be a, a, a big part of the services here. What else do we have? Well, we have giving. And I sent out like a, this little picture, you know, like I do you know, week to week to people to invite them to church. And there was all like little figures on there. Like things that some people look at and say, that's religious. Oh, yeah, you know, you go to church and they're going to ask you to give money. You know, part of religion is people trying to get as much money out of you as possible. How many of you heard that stereotype before? Okay? 
I mean, believe it. Wow, let's go. All right. So, yeah, because, you know, that's the big thing. You know, they're always trying to squeeze you for as much as they want so they can get more stuff and build bigger buildings, whatever the case may be. It's all about the money. And so giving is a scriptural thing. And what the Bible teaches is if God has your heart, then you will be a willing giver as he leads you. Not as men coerce you, but as he leads you. And so the Bible talks about giving. And giving is desire versus duty. Giving is to be desire versus duty for the Christian. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So probably, you know, some of you got that picture there, and you're like, okay, you know, it looks like we're going to have a baptism today. Uh, looks like they're going to try to get as much money from us as they can today. You're going to have communion today. Those are just all examples of things we're going to talk about. What's the relevance of these things? You know, it's really all about our, our relationship with the Lord. All right? Um, so desire versus duty. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Every man, every individual, this is an individual, this is a personal thing. Giving is a personal thing. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. Not as somebody else purpose in their heart for you, but as you purpose in your own heart. That's where joyous giving comes from. And uh, and says there, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him what? Give. Give. Not grudgingly. Oh, man. That was painful. Got it in there, but it was painful. All right. Um, no, to give not grudgingly or of necessity because we felt obligated. For God loveth a, what's it say? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. Now that is possible. It is possible to be a cheerful giver. And uh, Christians, I believe, are the most cheerful givers there are. Christians have given to so many worthy causes throughout the world, throughout the ages. And Christians are called a lot of things. And Christians are judged in a lot of ways. But you know, Christians are usually givers. They're givers. I've been the beneficiary of Christian giving, and I've been involved in Christian giving. And there's blessings to both. There's blessings to when you know God led you to something, and you can cheerfully just be a dispenser for the Lord in that situation. And there's great blessing if you believe that we have the truth for salvation, which is what the world really needs. It's called the gospel, the good news, that we try to, you know, we take everything that's given here and try to use it in some way regarding the gospel. What better cause to give to? What better cause to give to? And so we don't coerce people for money here. Right now, you know, uh, we, we have a box in the back. It says giving there, and the Lord will lead in that. The Lord will lead. If you appreciate the ministry of this church and it's been helpful to you and God promised you to give, Drop whatever he calls you to give, uh, you know, calls you to give in, in the box back there. We'll try to use it for the furtherance of the gospel. And, uh, and, and, and so, a cheerful giver. The Bible talks about a cheerful giver. Now, for Christians, the Old Testament standard was 10%. And we know that the Holy Spirit lead, leads us at least to keep the letter of the law, right? And I, and I believe that if we obey the Lord in giving, he's going to lead us to, 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 to give, you know, at least the, the basic standard as Christians, as members of a church. But God will lead in that. You know, I don't have to start, stand up here and talk about that every week. I'm talking about it today because you come to a service here and you see, you know, there's giving. But I'm just explaining to you what it's about. And it's a personal thing. It's about our relationship with the Lord. It's, a, it's not about religion. It's about our relationship with the Lord. And woe be to us if we ever become known as that church that's always trying to get money out of people because that's not what we're about here. We're trying to honor the Lord with everything we have. So giving. 
Now let's talk about singing. We did a little bit of singing here this morning. We do sing in our services. We sing in our services. And singing is a privilege, not just a performance. It's a privilege, not a performance. You know, the Bible talks hundreds of times about singing. It makes reference to singing. And we do singing. And uh, I think the specials are you guys. And then we do some singing, you know, in particular, sometimes smaller groups. But really, you know, we call those specials, but you guys are the special. This is quiet. Congregational singing, that's the main part of singing in our church. The main part is not a special group of people that sing up here. The primary elements of singing, the main heart of singing in our church is the congregational. Congregational singing is where it's at when it comes to singing in our church. And that's why, you know, we, we, uh, we might get a little repetitive. You know, we get a little repetitive sometimes. But that's why we say, hey, let's sing enthusiastically together. This is like the little opportunity we get for like 20 minutes here. Praise the Lord, right? He's done so much for me. And so singing. And the Bible says in Psalm 47, verse 6, Psalm 47, verse 6, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. That's a pretty short verse there, but how many times does it say sing praises? Do you catch it? How many say three? All right. Two? Four? More? All right, four. Four was it. Four was it. <laughs> We usually don't have quizzes during the message, but we didn't get to the verse, so 40, uh, Psalm 47, verse 6, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises. Four times right there, sing praises. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's a privilege to sing praises to the Lord. How can you explain music in the heart of a person if you don't believe in God? God in the scriptures is a musical God, and he put music within human beings to use to, to be a blessing to him, to bring glory to him. And that's what our congregational music is based upon. So singing, why do we sing? Well, I've heard some religious singing before, and it sounded like, kind of like monotonous. I mean, I think sometimes they're even called like maybe like chants or something. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe there's a time and place for that. But to me, singing is like from the heart. It's a privilege. It's something that, you know, the Bible calls it a joyful noise. And that's probably the best description of congregational singing, right? Uh, because it's like all that conglomeration of all different voices, you know, lifting it up for, to make a noise uh, 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 for the Lord. And that to me is the most meaningful. It's the most meaningful uh, when we're all singing uh, together from our heart uh, to the Lord. Another element of our service is corporate prayer. And corporate prayer is to be meaningful, not memorized. To be meaningful, not memorized, I believe. And, and I believe that's scriptural. And the Bible talks about uh, 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 this in, in Matthew 18, verse 19. Let's go to Matthew 18, verse 19. Matthew 18. So sometimes we'll pray together here. And, you know, when I pray, I'm not going to just have a pre-prepared prayer to get up and read. Because God in our service will lead us. His spirit is supposed to be here with us. There's things that are important that are the abundance of our heart we're going to express to him. We don't want just to be a religious row activity. Now again, I'm not saying that, there, that, that it would be wrong for somebody to read something they pre-prepare as a prayer. I'm not saying that. But the, the main part of our corporate prayer here is not, is, is not memorized. It's a heart relationship aspect to our service. And so Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is, our in, heaven, which is in heaven. 
And this is the same passage that talks about if two or three people are gathered in his name. He's in the midst of them. And so we have more than that. We have way more than that here. We're gathered in his name. And then the person who prays will take some things that we can all agree upon. We can all agree these are important things. We can pray for these things. And God will hear us. This is from our heart. It's about our personal relationship with God. It's not just religious activity. I come in here, we punch the clock. Well, one of the things they're going to do in a certain segment is they're going to pray, you know. And I pretty much, you know, I mean, I can just kind of flow through that because we pretty much say the same thing every time. So there's a prayer aspect. Someone's going to sing a song, you know. The guy will get out there and say some words and, and then, you know, ah, got that done for the week. No, Christian. <laughs> no. No, that's not. That's not it. It's about, it's about our relationship with the Lord. That's what our service is for. All right, and then thirdly, finally, not the service, but our service. In other words, your personal service to the Lord. And there's things that God asks us to do when we're saved. And, uh, and one of the things that God asks us to do uh, when, when, we're, when we accept him as Savior is to do what's called uh, be baptized, to be baptized. And, you know, baptism is one of those words that's thought of immediately as a religious term, right? That's a religious activity. And it is part of our religion, if you want to put it that way. But water baptism is not, uh, uh, is not salvation itself. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of salvation. It's a symbol versus salvation itself. Now you say, well, must one be baptized in order to be saved? Yes. They have to be baptized into Christ. That's what happens when we're, when we're born again. We are baptized in, we are immersed. The term means immersed. We, we become in Christ. We become, we are placed into Christ. The problem is that when we think of baptism right off, what do we think of? Being immersed in water. Must we be baptized in this tank in order to be saved at, in Clinton Baptist Church? No! No! If you believe that, you have just done a religious work in order to be saved. But what does that do? When we're baptized here, when we're baptized here, it represents that we're in Christ. It represents that we're in Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes? I'm a member of a church, I was baptized, and I do good deeds, so I'm going to heaven. Very common answers. Those are works. That's religion. You can't jump through hoops to earn favor with God. You have to follow his word. And so, must one be baptized in order to be saved? Yes, be baptized into Christ, but this is not water baptism. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Here's a man that was water baptized after he was saved. By the way... The man that was next to Jesus on the, on the cross, that Jesus, in essence, said to him, you're going to go to heaven, did he have a chance to be baptized? No, he didn't get to have a chance to be baptized. So you can't say that someone has to be baptized in order to be saved. All right? But let's go here. It says, uh, um, Acts 2.38. Let's look at a few, a few passages, though, that talk about uh, baptism in general first, before we look at water baptism. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the... Remission of sin. Now, in context here, there's nothing about water. There's nothing about going down into the water. There's nothing about immersion. 
All right? In the context, it's about, uh, uh, it's about the gospel, it's about the Holy Spirit, and so there must be repentance, there must be an immersion there in the name of Jesus Christ. It's about being uh, in Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That happens in salvation as well, right? You become in Christ, you receive the Holy Ghost. It's very, it's very, very specific, very accurate, very plain to understand. And uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, there it says right there, for the remission of sin, you have to be baptized in water. You have to have either sprinkled or dipped in water. That's not what that teaches. It's not in the context. 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto uh, baptized doth, baptism doth uh, also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in the context here, it's talking about being in Christ. It's not talking about water baptism for salvation. You don't see that in the context there. So I'm going to say, well, it says there, you know, the baptism does save us. It's not. Why do we assume every time we see that word baptism, which means to be put into or to be immersed, why do we always assume it's water, the water baptism component? We've got to look at the context. We've got to see what it's actually teaching. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Why? Because when we believe, we are in Christ. We are immersed in Christ. And so we, we are saved. And then the Bible says, Why uh, uh, now tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. And so this, is, this assumption, every time we see baptism, that it's talking about being immersed in water. You always have to look and see how the word is, uh, word is being used in the scriptures. The word baptizo means to be immersed, to be put, to be put into. It doesn't mean to be necessarily dipped in water. All right? So that's the great mistake we make in assuming that when the Bible speaks of, of baptism, it's always being, uh, talking about being immersed in water. When many times, when speaking of baptism in relation to salvation, it's very clearly speaking of being immersed in Christ, becoming one uh, with Christ. So what is water baptism then? Well, water baptism is a picture of this. It's a public identification with what Jesus did for us. It's a public identification with the life, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. That's what I stand with right there. That's who I want to serve with my life. I identify unashamedly with Jesus. And the Bible says, if we identify unashamedly with him, he will identify himself with us as well. That's a beautiful thing. And so let's go to Acts chapter 8. You see an example of that here. Acts chapter 8, we'll look at it at verse 35. Acts 8, 35. So we're talking about baptism, and that is a part of Christian service or Christian obedience. And there's much unnecessary confusion about it. In fact, a lot, of, a lot of religious activity is centered around baptism, which doesn't really picture what it's supposed to picture. Acts chapter 8 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, unto this Ethiopian man. And so he's given him the gospel, believing in Jesus, becoming, uh, uh, putting your trust in Jesus, becoming in Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me from baptized, being baptized? And so he jumps right from hearing about Jesus and trusting Jesus. Hey, how, how about I do this, this activity of being baptized? I've heard about that. I've heard John the Baptist did that. I heard that's a great religious thing to do. How about if I be baptized? Okay, so Philip says, slow down a minute. Let me ask you something first. Let me, before we do that, let me ask you something. Okay, so he says, um, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. 
What came first? Belief had to come first, then baptism. Belief unto salvation, believing who Jesus was, putting the trust into who Jesus uh, had been shown to him by Philip to be. And then Philip said to him, If thou believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What did they do? They went down into the water. They went down into Because the term means immersion. Uh, baptizo means to be immersed, to go into. All right? That's the picture. So both Philip and the eunuch went, and he baptized him. And when they would come up out of the water, into the water, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went his way rejoicing. Why? Because he'd done a religious activity? No! Because he had found the Savior, he had believed in the Savior, and he had openly, before Philip and his entourage, because this was an important man, he wouldn't have been traveling by, by, by himself. Uh, historically, that would not have been, been the case for him. So there was others there, and he, in front of his entourage, went down and said, I identify with Jesus Christ now. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I want to be baptized in his name. And uh, so after his belief came the water, the water baptism so what is baptism? Well, baptism is just to say, look, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you want to then just proclaim that in front of others. You would come on a day that we would, that we would set up together, and uh, there would probably be others that would be baptized that day as well, and you would just give testimony about, about your, 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 uh, your relationship with the Lord, and then you would just do that symbol in front of others to proclaim that. You know, it's like, uh, to my shame today, I was playing some sports, and I took my wedding ring. Okay. I took my wedding ring off, and I should have put it back on. Uh, does the wedding ring make me married? Is that what makes me married? No, but it demonstrates that I am, right? And I need to put that back on. I mean, I'm a happily married man. I'm happy, you know, I'm out. There's a symbol there. It doesn't make me married. Like, I'm still married without the wedding ring. But it's not quite the same as if I have it on and I'm showing the world I'm taken. This is who I'm devoted to in, in marriage. It's a pitch. That's uh, be a good illustration of, of baptism, right there. Okay. And so, what is the age for baptism? Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but it should be somebody who is able to say, "Okay, I personally have put my trust in Jesus, so I personally want to express that to others." So, not somebody doing that for you as a religious activity to somehow maybe gain some favor somehow, but instead. Now, I do believe in baby dedication. I think that's a good thing. You know, like you could take and you say, this is our, the Lord has given me this gift, and I want, I want to pray together that I'd be a good parent, and His blessing be upon us to raise Him for the Lord. I think that's a wonderful thing. But baptism is for somebody who says, I personally believe in the Lord, and I personally want to demonstrate that to others. I am in Christ, and the illustration is fulfilled. So we went through a few of the aspects, and uh, next week we're going to finish this as a two-part message. We're going to look at some other parts of Christian service. And you might be able to think of some things right now that are kind of like you think of, like we're going to talk about communion next week. We're going to talk about communion. Something people call the Lord's Supper. Um, I think it's, you know, it's called various things. Um, what does that mean to us personally? What does that mean to the Christian? What is that about? Is that just a religious ritual or is there some personal significance that we can draw from? We'll talk about that and several other things next week. Being a Christian. Being a Christian. It's about our relationship uh, with, with, with our Creator. And it uh, starts with salvation. It starts with salvation. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's bow our heads. Lord.